Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? I'm good. And this is going to be, I know I can see you too. <laughs> this is going to be uh, an interesting podcast recording because we're videoing it as well. Yes. And we're not going to pretend that we haven't seen each other before I hit the record button, but I still love your hair. I said it before we recorded, your hair looks fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. Now, For listeners, it's uh, highlighted in purple at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I've chosen to highlight mine in gray. Uh, yeah, <laughs> see, well, I'm covering Silver mine. Silver <laughs> and gray, yeah. Well, you look great. And you know, so now, listeners, you have an option. You can listen to this podcast, which is great. It's on all the players. It's normal. Uh, but you can also go and view the video. So... That's a new thing. I'm very excited yeah, about that. Yeah, as long as it goes well. As long as, long <laughs> as it goes well, yeah. Thanks. Now I'm nervous. See, now you I know, got me, me nervous. Too. Well, okay, let's just move on from that so we get okay. nervous and um, talk about the podcast topic today. Okay, the real reason we're here. What is that? Right, right. So it's what I want to talk about today is disability rights and the mm. ESG community. Okay. And this is very important, as yeah. are all the topics, right? But mm -hmm. really, this has been referred to recently as the new frontier in ESG investing, mm. impact investing. And for the last two years, we've seen a number of ESG asset managers really focusing more on looking at disability as a very concerning issue mm. and ways to look at including this particular topic into their portfolios. So let me ask you this. When, when you say disability, are you talking about disabilities in general, meaning possibly from birth? Are we talking disability as in disability during working conditions? All both? of the above. All yes, the above. Okay. both. All right. Yeah. All right. uh, you know, when we're looking at disability rights, it's, it, it's an imperative, really, that we start looking mm -hmm. at the overall disability um, picture, looking at it from diversity, equity, and inclusion, which are buzzwords we've been hearing for a long time, right? Of several years. In summer of 2020, Bloomberg uh, addressed this issue. Bloomberg, everybody probably knows who Bloomberg is, but they, they addressed this issue uh, saying that investors are really starting to push companies to create more welcoming workplaces for our employees and uh, well for the employees with disabilities right so and this includes whether they're in a wheelchair whether they have a mental illness or another physical disability um, whether it's from birth something that's happened later in life when bloomberg did this study that they uh, looked at these issues 22 institutions who are managing 2.8 or sorry, $2.8 trillion in assets, wow. not a, a small piece here. They are urging these corporations in 
2020, May of 2020, to review their policies and set different hiring targets among many other steps as well. It's not just about hiring. Yeah. It's about looking at it in, in an inclusionary way. What we saw is pre-pandemic era, uh, there was a, another research study done by the World Bank and WHO, the World Health Organization. And it showed that there's over 1 billion people or 15% of the world's population, world's population that live with some kind of disability. Mm-hmm. And that includes whether we're looking at diabetes, cardiovascular disease, cancer, mental health disorders, on and on. And an interesting piece to this is each of us, everybody that we know, everybody that's around, has a chance that they would transition into this minority group over the course of our lifetime. That is a powerfully disturbing statement, if I can say it that way. Because uh, for the listener who's now watching, I'm very white. And that, that is, I, I will never have the chance or opportunity or ability to transition into the uh, to be black or to be Hispanic or to be a woman in, in certain cases, transition wise. Right. I will not I will not possibly become those on accident. That's one way to phrase it. Yeah. Um and but so I don't have to happen. face those things. Yes. And, yeah. and absolutely. That, that, yeah, that's really, really, that's disturbing um, and scary. It because, is. And, and Kim, this is where I'm coming from. I don't want to derail this by any means. But when I think about this, this is such a huge topic. I don't think you've ever discussed this before. So I'm really excited to dive more into this today or learn more from you because I have uh, some people in my life, you know, my history with Boys Town and, right. and raising young men. Uh, people that are on disability from that group that the rules are so ridiculous for the amount of money they're allowed to have on hand kind of thing. It's insane. Yes. It's, it's forced 100% forced true poverty for them. Um, and if they can't get a job, right, if if they're on disability and they, they, they can't get a job or can't find a job or get to a job that tailors to them, like we're talking about today, um, it is, it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible system that's broken. And that's just the government side of the system. So I love the right. fact that you're addressing the corporation side of this. So, yeah. Yeah. And Man. I have a statistic around that, but I can't find it in my massive amount of notes, but I'll come across it at some yeah. point. It's mm-hmm. not on purpose that we move into disability. Um, we don't choose that. Yeah, It happens by accident. And that's the hard piece of this. I, I think this was in 2020 as well. The The New York comptroller, Thomas DiNapoli, if that's the correct way to pronounce his name, it's hard to know because I'm not speaking to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he oversees the $210 billion public employee pension fund for New York State. Okay. And he is saying and seeing that shareholders are looking at this issue and they are also... Um, looking at the ADA to enact more protections, I guess. Uh, And while that's happening, there's still a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. And in the years before 2020, when we look at disability issues, among investors, disability inclusion really hadn't seen the same prominence as, as you mentioned, 
issues of gender equality, LGBTQ issues, Mm -hmm. social justice issues with the BIPOC community, Um, but it's gaining traction. And when we look at the disability issues and rights, um, disability has long been the forgotten S in the category of ESG. And so we have to really push that forward now. Um, when we, we, I just mentioned the New York Pension Plan, and in 2020, they joined with the 76 billion Massachusetts counterpart. So we're talking almost $3 billion, or $300 billion here um, to change their proxy voting guidelines in which they added disability inclusion as one of the factors that they need to use to assess companies hmm. and their performance. So that's great. Yeah. And when I was doing a little more research for this podcast topic, I discovered, new to me, that there is a disability equality index. Oh. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So it's a benchmark, much like we would refer to the S&P 500 or Dow or any of those. This is a benchmark. And it tracks the progress towards friendlier workplaces for folks with mental and physical impairments. Hmm. And it's been around since 2014. The 2020 edition of the index covered 247 companies, which is a good start. Uh, And that's up from the small number of 48 when they started in 2014. Wow. Um, Yeah. And the disability index, equality index is, it's a joint initiative from a nonprofit called Disability IN. And um, also uh, in coordination with the American Association of People with Disabilities. So they created this benchmark. And what they're looking at is, or what happens with the benchmark is they give businesses an objective score on their inclusion policies, on their practices around disability, and specifically on identifying opportunities for improvement. It's fine if we just look at these issues all day, but what we have to do is improve them. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what we're doing in the ESG and impact space. So it's, it's a tool and it provides us information. And, and these, this small number really of companies, corporations, are starting to disclose um, their corporate policies around disability inclusion. Very important and very exciting that this is actually kind of moving in a direction it probably should have been moving in a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's part of the the um, the process of transparency with corporations. Mm-hmm. So we have to focus more on it. And we have to do more due diligence. Yeah. Well, when I mean, this, co- you, oh, go ahead. You, you had said. I mean, this is this has been part of most of our conversations: transparency, transparency, transparency. And and I think that that's the true. Well. I'm going to ask a professional. In my opinion, that's a true battle: is getting these companies to be transparent. Is that? Do you think that that is the first and the the hardest step for for this community to try to get that transparency? I think it's the first step and the hardest step for any community mm-hmm. is to get transparency around these issues. You know, we've seen the huge battles in our social justice issues around people of color mm-hmm. in the last few years, and it's always been going on in that community and also in the disability community. So yes, trans- transparency is key. In early 2020, of course, we saw COVID. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. come about. And <laughs> what that did is really highlight the disparities for, for people with disabilities. So, hmm. an interesting, so? there's an interesting statistic. I know how you love those. I do. Um, <laughs> so, uh, at the beginning, or, or at April, I think, of May or May of 2020, there was a quick study done, and 19%, or just a hair under 19% of Americans with disabilities were unemployed. And that's compared to the 14.3% of okay. Americans without disabilities. Hmm. Uh, that was the unemployment. I'll, I'll be honest. I expected those numbers to be farther apart. So that's actually kind of good news in my mind. It's not as large of a gap as I thought it would be. Yeah, it's about four and a half percent. But you also have to realize that a lot of folks with disabilities are either underemployed or unemployed. Good point. Absolutely it, good point. Underemployed it, right. for sure. Yes. So it's interesting. Oh, the other part of this study and statistic as it's gone on is that folks with disability have recovered in terms of employment a lot slower as states have reopened. So they're not mm. getting back into work. That's a really good question. And I, yeah. I don't think I have an answer. I would say maybe part of it is... Um, you know, going through COVID, we saw more illnesses, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially people who already have disabilities are more prone. That's my, to, that was my thinking. Yeah. And they might be having more long-term effects from any COVID exposure they may have had. Yeah. And, and that would certainly delay them from returning to the workforce. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as always, there's going to be corporations who are resistant to emphasizing disability inclusion in their ESG report. (laughs) Right. And, you know, some will do it because it's compliance and, uh, but they also see it as something that's very costly in terms of really looking at it. If you have to disclose it, then you've got to look at it. Mm -hmm. What's interesting or what will be interesting is whether or not in the SEC's new proposal around ESG disclosures, which is coming soon, if this will be an included topic. I hope it will be um, so that we can continue to push this into a better space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It, you know, one of the things that I read when I was again, researching, I love to research. <laughs> it's helpful. <laughs> I love that about you. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I don't sound like an idiot, right? Um, <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's my, I'll take that responsibility. <laughs> Um, but there's a lot of assumptions around people with disabilities, and not everyone is educated on the topic. If you don't yeah. have someone in your life or someone you know who's had a disability, it's easy to overlook it. Mm-hmm. And as an employer, sometimes it is unfortunately part of the hiring practice as well that they're looking at them. Yeah. It's, it's really a topic that everyone needs to be educated on and everyone is not educated on. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the why pieces. You know, I like to okay. do that. I like to talk about why it's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in disability inclusion is really critical to achieving a holistic approach to ESG in general. And disabilities, they cut across every aspect of the S in ESG. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an activist and humanitarian named Eddie Nopu, 
and I'm sorry if I'm butchering Eddie's name, but <laughs> do the best I can. Uh, and he's one of um, 17 global activists that, uh, or excuse me, global advocates for the UN principles for sustainable development and okay. the goals around that. And so he recently said last year uh, that it's really, really important. I'm paraphrasing uh, that we start to look at this as a sociological perspective and um, recognize that people experience discrimination across many factors. More importantly, as you mentioned earlier, being poor and being disabled are mutually reinforcing each other. Mm. And you can't address one without addressing the other. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And here's some more statistics for you, because I know you love those. But um, according to the World Bank and the Global Economics Disability Report, which is another report I didn't even know existed. So I'm happy that there's a lot of stuff getting recorded and looked at. But there's over 1.3 billion people around the world who experience some form of disability. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, they have, I mean, yes, some are very very poor because they need to be in order to get care, but they, they still have a combined spending power of $8 trillion with a T. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, so this is an important demographic. Uh, the disability community itself holds a lot of purchasing power and it actually exceeds the purchasing power of black and Hispanic communities. Yet mm. we've really largely ignored the disability community, yeah, in many many ways. No, that's that was interesting to me. And the Center for Talent Innovation, they found that seventy five percent of employees with disabilities in the United States have great ideas that would drive value for the companies that they work for. Compared, this was interesting to sixty one percent of employees without disabilities. Hmm. But they're often simply not heard, yeah, or even asked their opinion. Mm -hmm. So, again, we continue with some other research studies. The World Economic Forum uh, showed that companies, and we've seen this with uh, inclusion of women and minorities too. But they showed the World Economic Forum showed that companies that are inclusive of people with disabilities are on average twice as likely to have a higher total shareholder return hmm. and 28% higher revenue and 30% higher profit margins. We see that too when we, we ask to have women and minorities included on boards and in the C-suite. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think it's, it's interesting that you bring up that the, those pieces of it because I grew up across the street from a young man who had a degenerative disease uh, and sadly passed away from it just after high school, but I grew up with him. And so it was very normalized for me to have a friend that was disabled and it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't something that was taboo that we didn't talk about. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. This was his life and this was, you know, he was our friend um, and we lived very, very close together. But when you don't have that, 
right? When you don't have someone in your inner circle that's disabled, you don't know how to react. A lot of times you don't know how to talk to them, quote unquote, them. Right. Uh, because you, you maybe you're just, it's awkward or it, it can be intimidating um, in, in very much the same fashion if somebody's never grown up with somebody else of a different uh, race than them. It can be intimidating to talk to them. But it reminded me of a, a video of a, a young man who invented, I believe he invented a knife or a set of knives, cooking knives for blind people because his grandmother was blind, loved to cook. So he he created a knife that would be safe for her to use and chop and use her hands. And th there was a special guard that he made. It was very sim simple. But what a great because, idea. Yeah. But because he lived with somebody and saw the struggles on a daily basis, he was able to put his talents to, to work. How much more could a board benefit from hearing the day-to-day -day struggles of a, a person with a disability, no matter what that disability is, they're going to have a different viewpoint. And it oh, yes. doesn't necessarily have to be all blind people that could use this. Somebody with diminished eyesight would maybe feel a lot safer with those knives. Again, it opens up all sorts or of doors and yeah. ideas for somebody else. I, and I just want to say, or someone who has uh, Parkinson's. And, Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of things that that could help. I want to comment on one of the things you said about how for many people it can be uncomfortable to talk to folks with disabilities or people from different races. We have to get over that. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. it's it, it's not easy, right? I mean, it's, no. it's not easy because you don't want to offend somebody. You don't want to say the wrong thing. And that's a lot in society right now, I think, is, is there's so much there's so much talk around verbiage that right. I think people are concerned and I'll, I'll just be very straightforward and honest. I don't, I don't even know at this point in my life, if African-American is proper or if black is proper or persons of color is proper across the board. I, I struggle with that, Kim. I'll be honest. I, I, it, what's politically Thank you for correct. admitting that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because somebody's going to call me out on, oh, that's not appropriate. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't right. say African-American. They're Americans. Well, okay. Then give me the verbiage to say. Give yeah. me what, what, how, how does that work? And so I think that that's kind of ingrained in a lot of us where we just don't know. And so it's, it's hard to approach somebody when you just don't know if you're going to offend them or if you're going to say the right thing or the wrong thing. And that's where the intimidation in my perspective comes from. I could be wrong. Um, I'd love to hear from the audience on that and see what they I, think. I would too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to comment on that as well, because I read a story not too long ago before I even decided to do this podcast on this topic from a woman who had a child who was severely disabled. And her perspective is we need to stop telling other children to not stare at other children wow, with disabilities. Okay. Because yeah. what we're doing is we're telling children to ignore not anyone. Look at Absolutely. Right. That's right. And instead, we need to ask a child. Do you have questions about this other child who has a disability? Mm -hmm. um, are you curious? Let's talk to them. Yeah. But we need to stop telling them to quit staring and look away because that's what they continue to do as adults. Yeah. That's a great so, point. Very powerful. Yeah. 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 To be clear, when we talk about companies uh, becoming more diverse, they can be more diverse, but not necessarily inclusive of people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. For example, we have non-Hispanic, Black, and Hispanic adults who are more likely to have a disability than white non-Hispanic adults. So people of color mm -hmm. are more likely. And 
even though we're doing the best, or many companies are doing the best um, they can with diversity strategies, it's insufficient when it comes to inclusion. We can have all the the diversity we want, Mm -hmm. but does that mean they're still included? Mm. And and this was a comment made by the CEO of the nonprofit I mentioned earlier, Disability IN. Yeah, I, I'd actually, <laughs> and this was a comment. I'm trying to remember who said it. Um, oh God, I just really, I can't remember who it was, but they, they were talking about diversity versus inclusion. And they mm-hmm. said, oh, a not to pick on a hotel chain, but large, large corporations, a hotel chain can say, we have an incredibly diverse workforce. But if it's because almost every one of your cleaning personnel is Hispanic or African-American, that doesn't make it inclusive, right? No. That's sure that's diverse because you've got an entire staff, an entire section of your company that is is people of color, but they're not in the upper management positions or they're not in, on the in the on the in the board meetings or not in those high positions. That's not inclusive. You know, so exactly. stop saying that it's a diverse company when you <laughs> right. when you regulate those people to one section because that's just not right at it, all. You are right on topic with that. You know, an, an inclusive organization is one who really, truly values cultural differences and different perspectives, mm. different ideas, yep. different solutions. And those come from that diverse workforce. Yep. But we need to integrate the short-term and the long-term strategies of, of many of these companies so that we do have a better inclusionary process. Yeah. Uh, and as you said, it's not just about one section, or do we have a woman on the board or a person of color? Uh, do we have representatives from the disability community in the C-suite? Yeah. You know, this is all important. Yeah. And, yeah. and when it comes down to, well, before I go to this piece, I debated on whether or not mentioning this or saying anything, but one of the reasons this topic has really come up for me and and I'm ashamed to say that <laughs> I didn't really think about it a lot until I developed chronic pain. Mm. And now I have a disability. So it's it's been interesting for me to really reflect on how this probably has affected millions of people for so long. And I really wasn't as aware of the issues as I probably should have been. Mm. And I hope it doesn't take everyone <laughs> who's listening to, to have this kind of experience to understand the importance around disability issues and the inclusion process. Yeah. So there's that. We as investors are really those who are best positioned to work with all of these companies to achieve a greater diversity inclusion. Mm-hmm. And we're not just talking about private sector, we're talking about public sector as well and across society. And because this will expand into everyone's view, yeah. whether they're working for a particular company or not. As we know, investors have the power and the influence, and we have knowledge and access and uh, good track records in the ESG impact space to really successfully drive engagements with companies on many of these issues, on the ESG issues, on the diversity issues, on the disability inclusion issues, we can drive this change. 
Absolutely. I mean, you've got an army. We do have an army and it's getting stronger all the time and bigger. And that's something I really love about what I'm doing. I'd really, as you mentioned, I'd really be interested in what listeners are or what listeners really feel is important in what we call the S category. So we have environmental, social, and governance. I want I would love to hear from investors or listeners mm-hmm. about what they think is m- some of the more important issues in the S section of what, what we're doing. What email should they use? They can use Kim at horizonssfs.com. And of course, anyone who is really feeling the pull to make a difference with their money and to start to join the army. Yeah. (laughs) Come join the army. (laughs) Right. Yeah. uh, We are here to help. So they can email me. They can call us at the office 505-982-9661. And we're happy to help. Kim, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited that you're doing video now. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I hope my makeup didn't smear. I'm just telling you. Right now. Just kidding. All right. Well, I didn't cry, so that's good. <laughs> and neither did I. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> All right, Kim. Again, thank you so much. This has been this has been fun. Thank you. I, I'm glad it was fun because it's a serious topic, and yeah. I don't always I don't want to bring people down. I want to I want to give them information, and I want to show them how we can fix a problem. Well. Um, what I believe you do is you make people think. And that's a great thing. Whether whether it comes off from from a podcast that's a little bit more serious or just a little bit more fun, um, it, it's getting them thinking. And that's that's the most important part, in my opinion, for sure. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. All right. Thank you again. And of course, our last thank you always goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family, and we'd encourage you to do so. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at kim at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at Horizons S-U-S-T-F-I-N or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice.
always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.